0: We kicked off last week with a theme for the fall. Choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said that. Joshua drew a line for the people of God. He asked the crowd, why on earth are you here? Are you here on this earth to serve the empty gods of Egypt? Are you here on this earth to serve the gods of the wilderness? You know, those gods of bitterness and anger and division. Choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What does it mean to serve the Lord? It might help to know who the Lord is. There was once that popular saying, what would Jesus do? Not a bad question. The answer comes, I think, I'm actually looking at what the Lord Jesus did. And so let's look. Lectionary brings us to the seventh chapter of Mark. And Joshua, just as Joshua drew the line, so too Jesus. So listen for the word of God. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. (laughs) So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to the human tradition." Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that can, by going in, can defile. But the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Why do your disciples... Not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands. Apparently the disciples had crossed the line. They had crossed the line. What an odd thing to get wrapped around the axle about, hand washing. It come, when it comes to health matters, that's not where the friction is these days. But I'm not going there. The text doesn't go there. I'm not going I'm. When was the last time you got wrapped around the axle about hand washing? If you have small children, perhaps it was not long ago. It's not a religious thing. It's a. If you don't want to get sick, wash your hands thing. It's a don't-get-your-sticky-hands-on-the-furniture thing. It's a don't-get-your-sticky-hands-on-me thing. And children learn not to cross the line. What follows is about five seconds of soap, or soap and water and a hand towel that afterwards looks like it came from Jiffy Loop. <laughs> if you are a parent of young children, hand-washing may be something you are battling every day. I don't think much of defiled hands, but this week in Waverly, Tennessee, mucking out a couple of homes after that flood, a group of us got off the church bus in a parking lot, and we were heading towards a group, a bus, that was giving away food. Let me tell you, that place has food and water and clothing for centuries, I'm sure, As we were walking towards the aroma of food, one in our group squirted a little bottle of hand sanitizer into his hand and offered it to the person next to them who took some. And then I said from behind, I'll take some of that. He squeezed it into my hand, offered it to the person next to me who said something along the lines of, No thanks, what doesn't kill you will only make you stronger. What he said obviously registered with me, but he didn't cross the line with me. It's his decision. It wasn't like I was going to follow him in the buffet line on a cruise ship, or as I like to call them, bacteria boats. Uh, we were outside. They were handing us individual styrofoam containers of food. I didn't have to touch what he touched his decision didn't impact me at all. Not at all. Unless, of course, his decision didn't end up making him stronger but ended on the first half of his statement. Well, then that does impact me. I have to get all dressed up in black on a summer day and say, family and friends, we are gathered here today in the presence of God because he didn't wash his hands. Looky there. I just crossed the line, didn't I, speaking so flippantly about death, when in fact, I know. I know. Because over and over again, the lives of people in the congregation, your lives, cross over into my life. And over and over again, I know. I know because I have the privilege of listening to tears. When you are gone from this earth, someone will lay out an image of you that is so beautiful that I will swear on a stack of Bibles that the image of you is just like the image of God. Life is beautiful, and life is so fragile that we need to treat each other with great respect. Watch our words. Watch our words, because you never know when they might be your last words. Maybe you know or maybe you read where the Anglican priest here in town, Thomas McKenzie, last Monday on the first day of his sabbatical, while taking his daughter back out west for school, the traffic slowed, just getting out of town, and he crossed the line and slammed into the back of a tractor trailer, killing them both. There is a congregation this morning in deep grief. We need to keep them in our prayers. Last Sunday, his last words before he went on sabbatical was to remind the congregation that there will be moments in life that they will not understand. He said, don't do this life on your own. And this morning, they are taking they're taking his words as truth. And they're gathering together and leaning into one another and leading into God. You understand that buried, 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 buried in this text with all the arguing and division is something important. There's something Very important. What would Jesus do? What did Jesus say? Jesus said, listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. And Jesus had a list. Lust, greed, wickedness, slander, pride, folly, In this world, we are bombarded by the toxicity of each and every moment, stuff from outside of us coming into us. It's in the air we breathe. It's in the water we drink. It's in the lettuce we munch on. I suspect Jesus knows that the world is out to get us, And if we asked him, he might give us some good answers about how to live a very long, long life. But Jesus seems less interested in longevity and more interested in the gift of life, at least in this text, how we treat one another. James said it this way, You must understand this, my beloved, Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Every perfect gift is from above. I had to draw a line this week. It was in Waverly, Tennessee, for a couple of days last week. A number of our folks from Westminster mucking out houses. I was with them just for a couple of days. And inside... One of the dining rooms of what was once a home, Carson handed me a straight edge that was about 10 feet long. I thought he was just eyeballing what was a straight line. Apparently, he had marks on the wall, and he said, Why don't you just put the straight edge up to the marks? I went, Oh, okay, thank you. And I drew an edge, drew a line. Carson drew a line. Everything above the line, we keep everything below the line, sledgehammer and pry bar. And I didn't think much of that moment again until I came home and sat in a chair and looked at my own home. I looked at everything in my house that would turn to garbage underneath the line. In fact, I'd like for you to do that sometime today. Find your favorite spot in the house, sit down, and draw a line. Draw a line about four feet up and imagine what it would be like to see that everything below that line would be taken out by strangers and thrown to a curb. This is what stays, and this is what goes. You see, last week there was a line. That was made by water. For a few terrifying moments, some were caught trying to keep their heads above the line. Every good and perfect gift is above, and sometimes it's called the air we breathe. And you fight the enemy. You fight the enemy. You fight that rising water with all your heart and mind and strength. You fight, you hold on to your children. You fight that thing that's trying to take your life, your life. And people gathered in a church this week in a little town and remembered a child and remembered a child and remembered a mother and remembered a father and remembered him and remembered her. And what they talked about, what they talked about was the light that came down from above. Above and reflected in each and every one of those people. Where do you want to draw the line these days? Above the line is all the stuff you can keep. Below the line is all the stuff you can throw away. In the heat of Waverly, Tennessee, Tom Wilson said to me, Isn't it interesting that we worked all day with all sorts of people and no one mentioned politics or the pandemics or religion? We were all just on the same page. He was right. After lunch, I went back to work, and there was a Baptist gentleman who lived in the town, and he caught up to me, and he handed me a wad of cash. I said, thank you. Actually, I don't know if he was Baptist or not. He just looked Baptist. (laughs) I know, I crossed the line again. I'm sorry. That's stereotyping, and that's wrong. But in your mind's eye, if you would, just picture a guy in his late 50s and 60s, maybe, early 60s. You got the picture? Just picture that person, a, a gentleman in his late fifties and early sixties perhaps. Now picture that gentleman being from Waverly, Tennessee. Now picture that gentleman as a Baptist. You got the picture. So after church you can just compare notes and see what you ended up with. But. That's what he looked like to me, and I guess what I'm saying is that he wasn't a Presbyterian. It just didn't seem to me he was a Presbyterian. First of all, Presbyterians don't hand strangers wads of cash. We tend to write checks. He handed me a wad of cash. You want me to take your name and I can get my uh, business secretary if you give me your address? He said, no. See, I'm telling you, this guy was not a Presbyterian. What I'm saying, he was different. And I could tell by looking at at him that if we sat down together, there are a few things we wouldn't agree about, probably one or two things, maybe 67 things that we would not agree about in this world. But as Tom said, isn't it interesting that this day, we worked all day and no one said a word about politics, or the pandemic, or religion. My Baptist friend handed me a wad of bills and said, I don't know what's going to happen with all this, the houses. Some of these, I suspect, will be condemned. But he said, you folks just showing up. It just helps me to know we're not alone right now. It just helps me to know that we're not alone right now. And I think he crossed the line in a day and age in which we're drawing lines. He crossed the line with a word from above. It just felt to me like the vertical intersected the horizontal and made for a cross there before me, so vulnerable. It just looked like a sacrifice of the heart, a commandment from God, a good word. A good word. So rare these days. Word. Choose this day the words you want to follow. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Word, the Lord God, Jesus Christ.